Welcome to Relationship Essentials. This is another episode. Again, Relationship Essentials is about bringing you the essentials that you need to build a healthy, and most importantly, sustain a healthy relationship. Yeah. Our mind, our heart for um, Relationship Essential is pushing God's way of doing relationship. We believe that when you build on God's word, it's similar to building a house on a rock. When you don't build on God's word, it's like building on sand. And the only difference between a house that is built on rock and a house that is built on sand is time. Time reveals what the foundation good, really yeah. is. So we believe, yeah, the Christian relationship and um, the water relationship might look identical in the beginning, but in time, we will see that God's way of building relationship is healthier. And, and I think in this time, when the world is teaching the opposite of what God is instructing us to do, that we as believers, that we come together and push God's way of doing things. That's why we do Relationship Essentials. And I couldn't have thought about anyone better to talk about today's topic than our guest today. Um, our topic today is helping men win in the area of relationship. And I, I heard about um, Pastor Fleming at a men's retreat. And I, I never even met him, and I knew he was a great person. Why? Because I met the gentleman, I met the group of men that he had helped get their life on track. And, and like their love for God was just beautiful. And when and they say the mark of a great leader is when they help create other leaders. And that's what he has dedicated his life to doing. Um, I went to his church. They, the way we were welcomed was awesome. I wish every church, I pray every church treat guests the way they treated me and my friends when we went to visit. So without any further ado, he's an author, before I go, before I go, he's an author of a book called Transform. And the whole, he's gonna talk a little bit, a little bit about it, but it's just targeting and addressing the need. You know, many times in Relationship Essentials, we've talked about how do we get more men to be responsible, to be the leader, to be the head that God created them and designed for them to be. And to meet someone that has dedicated his time and effort to just addressing the problem of men, it's beautiful. So make sure you grab a copy. It's on Amazon. You can Amazon Prime it. You can listen to it on Audible. Make sure you grab a copy. It will be the best decision you make today. All right, without any further ado, let's give it up to our guest, Pastor Fleming. Thanks, sir. Welcome. Welcome to Relationship Essentials. Yeah, thank you. I've never been to the Bronx before. And really? It's, yeah, it's great. <laughs> wow, I didn't even know that. That is, that is wow, that's incredible. Well, welcome, welcome to the Bronx and welcome to... Yeah. <laughs> welcome to Relationship Essentials. Um, I read your book this week. I remember the first time we got on the phone, the first thing you said was, read the book. And at first I was like, um, I'm a reader. I actually have a, I have a book club. And I said, you know what? I'll read the book. And when I bought the book and I started reading it, I was amazed. I was, I was really impacted. Because sometimes it's not necessarily about learning something new. It's about the perspective that it paints. Yeah. And one of the things that you said that stood out to me right away was, you said, if David did not defeat his Goliath, yeah. the Bible would not be the same. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Literally, the word of God that we read today it's a whole different book yeah. 
if David didn't slay his Goliath. Yeah. And you said that it's scary when a man doesn't know he's in a fight yeah. and doesn't win the fight that's in front of him. He's not the only one that pays the consequences. His friends, his family, yeah. and generations after him no pay the yeah. price yeah. of him not defeating his Goliath. Yeah. So tell us a little bit of what you've, some of the Goliaths, practical Goliaths that you've seen men face, yeah. especially when it comes to relationships. Yeah, uh, let me dive in. Um, thank you to those online and obviously in the studio audience today. Um, you know, I was a pastor over 10 years. I've been actually been a pastor for about 18 years now. And um, every prayer request fell into four categories, basically, uh, physically, spiritually, relationally, and financially. And I kept hearing it over and over and over again. And then I started to say, man, I don't think we have a prayer problem. We have a wisdom problem. We have an application problem. And um, I was actually leading um, our men's connect groups in our church and so forth, and I wasn't happy with them. I literally was frustrated at them. I, I got this, I would call it a divine bother, that I just began to be um, dissatisfied with the fruit we were producing in our church. Um, and then one day, not doing anything spiritual, I was literally raking leaves in my backyard, and the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, help men win in life. And it literally became kind of a calling. Um, at that time, it was like the creativity began to flow. I almost think the Lord waited a while, almost like, are you done with your leadership yet? And I was done with my leadership. And he spoke to my heart and said, help men win in life. And that was the, the defining factor. And then um, sometimes, you know, when a scripture comes alive to you, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, 15 and 16 came alive to me. It's... Um, I've always read the, the book of Proverbs for many, many years since I was 18 years old. I've been reading that for 20 plus years. And uh, Proverbs chapter 3, 15 and 16, Pastor Samuel says, long life after, Proverbs 3 is about seeking wisdom. But then it says this, long life is in her right hand, that's your health. In her left hand are riches and honor. Your relationship with money and honor. Honor can only come from two places, people or God. And so in the hand of wisdom is health in the hand of wisdom is your relationship with money. In the hand of wisdom is your relationship with God and people. And so those were the four areas of life that I'd heard prayer requests for over 10 years. Everyone talked about those areas, but I realized that all of a sudden they were sitting in the hand of wisdom. And so wisdom holds them. And so if we will seek God, and as you seek God, there's been a lot of talk about seeking God, mm -hmm. in the hand of God is wisdom. And there are so many different benefits to wisdom. Um, and so we have to navigate. Here's what's interesting. You can do life really well in certain areas, but be actually lacking and blindsided in certain areas. But God wants you to do life um, well in all areas and apply wisdom to your life. And that'll affect your money. It'll affect your health. It'll affect your calendar. It'll affect your morning. It'll affect your, your ability to listen, to seek wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's what it will do. Awesome, awesome. Um, I love that. And like you said, one of the things that you talked about in your book is you said it's hard to find someone that is succeeding in all four areas. Where, yeah. Like the four areas, by the way, is physical, spiritual, relationally, and financially. Yeah. You said typically um, men do good in money-wise. Yeah but they are horrible when it comes to relationship. Yeah. Or they are very spiritual, yeah. but they are horrible when it comes to finances. Yeah. So 
How have you seen that? Or is there, is there a personal story? I know like you talked about the relationship with your father. Yeah. And something that I've noticed a lot in this generation, I think, I cannot remember the exact statistics, but it says that I think you believe like 72% or 86% of people have daddy issues. Yeah. That means in a nutshell, men are not playing the role yeah. that God have called them to play. What have you seen um, in your experience as a pastor, as a leader, on how men are not showing up in relationships? Um, you know, it started back in the Garden of Eden, obviously, with Eve, and she's being tempted, and Adam was literally standing there, but he did nothing, right? Mm -hmm. So passivity is one of those things every man will struggle, mm -hmm. and I would say that often men, when they're hunting a woman, so to speak, they're, they're trying to date someone, they're trying to get someone, then they find her, the hardest thing sometimes is to push yourself to once you have married her to continue to pursue her, but that's the very thing you must do. Um, she doesn't just want to be married, she actually wants to be married and then, and then pursued for years and years and years. And I think sometimes our best lessons are pain. Um, Proverbs chapter 15 verse 31 says, he who, he who hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. So as I watched my own father um, really do um, certain things well. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't do relationships well. He didn't do money well. And then he ended up falling into addiction. And then his life began to spiral on downwards. And I kind of watched a man um, who had lots of potential, um, but didn't tap into that, didn't forgive the past, but didn't deal with his issues. Um, I began to look at his life and say, man, I want to learn the rebukes of life from this. Like I wanna, I, I honestly believe pain is your best teacher. And so sometimes like you can hear the same thing. It's, it's almost like someone says, get healthy. And then 10 years later, you have a heart attack and you go, oh doctor, what'd you say? <laughs> now you'll listen, why? Because of pain. And so sometimes, but a wise man learns from other people's pain. So what you and I want to do and need to do and, and look, at, look at devastated marriages, just internalize the pain and say, man, I need to learn different and lead different. I remember as an 18-year-old, uh, my mother had some, some marriage books around. So I remember watching the dysfunction of my own parents' marriage. And I was like, well, why don't I now, as an 18, 19, 20-year-old, read books on marriage? And so I started reading a book called The Tender Warrior, which was really a manhood book. I read a book... Um, called The Man in the Mirror. I began to read some other books and those things began to bless me, but the desire came from pain. And so pain is an incredible teacher. However, internalize for yourself the pain of other people's experiences and say, man, I'm going to make it different. Um, yeah, I, I like the fact that because I've seen men, not necessarily just, it's not necessarily an excuse, but I've noticed that sometimes one of the problems that we have is these men are horrible fathers because they had horrible fathers. Yeah. So the fact that you tell a story of, hey, I had a horrible dad, not necessarily a horrible dad, yeah. but he failed in certain areas. Yeah. And instead of that being my alibi yeah. for being a bad father in the future, yeah. that became the very reason why I wanted to do better. So what is your advice for men that didn't have the right role model yeah. in the home? of what a father should be. How do they take that instead of it becoming an excuse 
it yeah. becomes, you know, a reason. A reason for them to go out and be the men that God wants them to be. I heard it said many years ago there was a, there was um, twins, and um, the father was an alcoholic, and there was two twins, and uh, you asked one twin, "Why are you an alcoholic?" He said, "Well, alcoholics. My dad was an alcoholic." You asked the other twin, "Why were you an al- Why are you not an alcoholic?" He says, "I'm not an alcoholic because my father wasn't an alcoholic." And what you're talking about is the excuse. Right, you can excuse yourself, and you can have all the reasons. I do think some fundamental things happened in my life at 18, 19. I heard a preacher talk about the need to forgive your someone who has something against you, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, "I want you to forgive your dad." And so I walked up to my dad. I said, "Hey, dad, you know, maybe you haven't always been there, and, and different things." And 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 I said to him, "You know, you're a good dad. Like my dad was very complimentary. My dad taught me." Uh, to ride a bike. My dad taught me to play so- uh, soccer and tennis and different numerous sports. And it was very encouraging, but he just had his own issues. But I, I had built resentment in my own heart. But that critical conversation that Jesus says, go to that person and actually say, I'm forgiving you. I'm releasing you. I don't think we, uh, we, we don't know the power of that until we do it. And so you, you forgive him and then you release that bitterness and that bitterness no longer sits in you. So then, um, you know, you drink bitterness, you become bitter. You don't forgive, yeah. And you yeah. actually repeat the, the mistakes, the pain of your parents. Um, you know, I know people who their father was an adulterer many, many times over. They hated him for it, but they won't forgive him. They judge him for it. And then they get married and they'll often repeat the same thing. So you must forgive and you got to release it. And that was a critical moment for me as an 18, 19 year old talking to my dad. That was an awkward conversation. Like, and you got to suck it up and do the hard thing sometimes. I said, dad, I just want to let you know, you know, I'm just, I'm just forgiving you. And he appreciated it. And, and I think that moment is a forgiving moment where you no longer repeat what dad was going to do. And you have to make tough choices. Um, and I, I honestly believe the longer I live, the longer I realize discipline is a man's friend. The longer I live, the more I realize self-control is my friend. Self-control is your friend in your money. Self-control is your friend in your health. Self-control is your friend actually in your relationships. Because, you know, if you, if you live a player life and then think it's going to be very easy after marriage, I think you're kidding yourself. Because what you, what you sow, you will reap. Now, I'm not saying the grace of God doesn't forgive, doesn't cover, but there's still the law of sowing and reaping. Mm-hmm. And you still have to deal with the stuff in your mind and your spirit. Um, and God can restore all things, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Again, I always want the house of God to be a place of restoration, redemption, and so forth. However, you do realize that sowing and reaping is a fact, mm-hmm. right? What you place in here will eventually come on mm-hmm. out. Just to shed a little bit more light on the whole forgiven thing, I also believe it's identity matters. How, and you talked a little bit about that in your book, right? And I've noticed is when people don't, let's say for example, someone had a bad dad that didn't necessarily do things the way they would have wanted because they're looking at other people's dad, oh, their dad came to the soccer games, their dad did this, their dad did that. What I've noticed happen is if you don't forgive, you you become a victim. Yeah, right? That's right. So now you're a victim all your life because yeah. you, you, that's the way you're seeing yourself. Yeah. When you forgive, I like to look at it like this, is you are taking your power back. Yeah. Right? When yeah. you say, hey, I understand you fell short. I understand yeah. you didn't, but you are no longer responsible for the way my life will turn out. Yeah. 
Now I'm going to build my life on this newfound freedom yeah. and knowledge. And for you, for us as Christians, mm. is I'm going to build my life as yeah. God being my ultimate father. Yeah. You touched on something that I think is very, very, very important. You talked about, because I've, I've heard guys say, it sounds crazy, but it's this thing like, oh, I could turn it off when I want to. Mm -hmm. uh, where they're not, marriage begins to illuminate what they did not address when yeah. they were single. Because yeah. for some reason, they thought when I get married, marriage will eliminate. Yeah. But all marriage does is shine more light yeah, on something that they, they, could have, yeah. they could have addressed. So what is your advice on someone that maybe they already got married, but they have this past life yeah. that torments them? How, what are some of the advice you would have for a man like that? Yeah, James chapter 5, verse 16 is the go-to. It's Again, it's not just knowing the Word, it's applying the Word. Um, it's, it talks about the power of prayer, obviously, and then it says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. That isn't cute language. That isn't like a nice idea. That is God's way of freedom. So mm -hmm. if you cannot get free by just confessing your sin, 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me my sins, cleanse me of all unrighteousness. But if I don't get free out of confession to God, I bring it to someone else. Don't bring it to everyone, bring it to a, a trusted friend, one or two different people, or maybe a group of men who hold yourself accountable to it. And uh, there is so much available on our phones, so it's so easy for men and women, but probably especially men who get lured into you know, pornography and those kinds of things. Um, I tell our men in, in, at my church, like, I'm not surprised that this is a struggle for you. I'm not surprised, but go tell someone. And, um, and just the process of telling someone, what do you do? You're humbling yourself. You're admitting you need help. And here's where your strength comes back when you humble yourself. God's, God pulls out his grace to who? The humble. And so you go to someone else and say, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. And uh, perhaps you need a lock on your phone, a lock on your computer, all that kind of stuff. Don't let your smartphone become a dumb phone. Some of you might need a flip phone. <laughs> you got to go back old school. And I'm serious when I say that. Why? Because otherwise there's just too many allure allurements for you. Yeah. But confess your sin, it, it's, it's the path. Now, it doesn't mean you do it one time and then you magically healed. Do it one time and then you probably find a bit more freedom. And maybe in a couple of months you may have to, again, man, I stumbled again, I fell again. And then you have a band of brothers around you, uh, some friends around you that will hold you accountable to that. Um, and talk to people who have freedom in it and who have a victory in it, not just those who are struggling. Don't just talk to your boys who are... So you guys will struggle together. Right, right. <laughs> right. You, you, you'll, you'll find excuses to do it. Yeah, they will tell you what they watched and then you, yeah. you guys will exchange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But something that I noticed that I think what I've seen is an epidemic in the church. Men fight alone. Yeah. And that is a big problem because I think that is what the enemy wants us to do. He yeah. wants us to isolate ourselves. Yeah. And like, I look at the story of Samson, right? Mm -hmm. Samson had struggles, but he, he often went on those things. In, like he would sneak around, go into things yeah. that he shouldn't be going to. Yeah. And one of the things that you've done is something like create a community. Yeah. Tell us a little bit of why is it important for a man to be in community? Yeah. You know, um, you're in athletics and so forth and yeah. sprinting and soccer and different things. Let's say you go to a soccer field 
you yeah. train by yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you train as hard by yourself as you do with a band of guys? No, you train harder, you work harder when you're around other people. So we have built a band of brothers, so to speak, a group of men who are there to inspire other, other people, other men. Um, there's other leaders who carry that weight, but we're inspiring one another to become the man actually most men want to become. Mm -hmm. But you need other people around you. You're, think of the military, just here's a simple illustration. Think of the military for a moment, like you go into the military with a bunch of other people and they're, they're disciplined, they're hardworking, they get up at the same time, they do those kinds of things. It's just becoming normal for you to be around disciplined other men who are pushing you to become more. So you've got to get around some men who are sometimes challenging one another relationally, challenging one another uh, physically and financially and in the faith, like, hey, let's get in our word this week. Let's go to a prayer meeting. Let's go to the house of God. Like you have to get around the right people who are pushing you because you never do as much by yourself. Ever. I mean, if I, if I know, if we were about to do a push-up competition right now, let's, I promise you I would do more push-ups because you're here and everyone's watching than if I was just by myself. Uh, you know, you quit at, at whatever your number is. But when other people are watching, you're like, nah, I'm not quitting. I refuse to quit. You know? So that's why men need other men, but they need the right men around them. So they need men who are at least going forward. Right now, they stumble and fall, but they they go forward, and you've got to get around. Uh, the Book of Proverbs, one of my favorite books in the entire Bible, will warn you from the foolish man, will warn you from the lazy man, will warn you from the angry man, will warn you from different men, but it'll point you to the wise man. The wise man will get wiser if he hangs out with wise men. Mm -hmm. Like uh, one of my favorite guys, Jim Ron, he always says, if you hang out with four broke people, yeah, you'll be the fifth. You'll be the fifth. Yeah, right. And the, and the Bible tells us. He that works among fools will yeah. be a fool, and he that seeks the counsel of the wise eventually becomes wise. When we talk about men, there's a lot of ego yeah. involved. Yeah. How have you, because a lot of men need help, yeah. but they will never admit yeah. they need help. Because even most mm. people, I, I think you talked about it at your event where you said most men think they put it down in bed, and they don't, right? As far as yeah, those of us that are married, those of you that are married, not those of you that are not married, that one, you need to stop putting anything in bed. But, <laughs> but sometimes men think they are better than they are. Or they, yeah. Is it that they, in your opinion or in your observation of men, is it that they are not cognizant of their own shortcomings? Or is it just their ego that make them refuse to ask for help when they need help? And how have you gotten breakthrough yeah. with men that have such big ego yeah. who don't want help yeah. when everybody knows they need help? Yeah. What have, what have you noticed? Uh, fear and pride are your two greatest enemies. Fear and pride. Um, pride will take you out, but fear will limit you. Mm. Um, pride will uh, cause you to think you know better than God, but fear will stop you from serving God. Um, one of the things I, I love to illustrate to men on why they need help is Tiger Woods needed a coach. Roger Federer greatest, or, and Rafael Nadal and Michael Jordan, all these guys who were the greats wanted coaches. Yet sometimes we're sitting somewhere very much in the middle, not as great as these men, and we're like, we don't need coaches. But once you show people, I think, 
that that Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and 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 Love Cristiano yeah Cristiano Ronaldo and all those guys they have coaches both sometimes athletic coaches nutrition coaches and chiropractors and different things and then soccer coaches um, it says man if they need it then I need it and that's one of my favorite illustrations to show men because we do need help um, you choose your mentor and then your then your mentor is that he becomes um, I heard someone say this, um, mentors save you from torment. They lift lids off your life. They, they see things that you can't see. And so when you're being stupid, I'm being stupid. Often it, it can be my wife going, babe, what are you doing? Like, I need someone else. The Holy Spirit will speak to you, but he never bypasses. You're never so spiritual, you don't need someone else to talk to you. Because that's the way God's actually set it up. His word, his spirit, but then other people will actually, there'll be blind spots in your life and blind spots in my life. And I need to be able to have, I have a humble spirit so that someone can tweak some things and say, hey, you're not as sharp as you think, or you could do better here, or you're a bit prideful there. Or, so anytime you can't take advice, you're already prideful. But here's the funny thing, the area you want no one to talk to you about, that's the very area you need it the most. Like if someone, if you're married in here and your wife says you need counseling, you need counseling. You're like, oh, I don't need counseling. Yes, you do. <laughs> or you need a book. Or you need Dr. Phil. Or you need a podcast. You need someone. And we all need someone. And that's the way God actually made us to. Now, women are more relational than men. So they gather often quicker, better. They talk easier sometimes. But um, men bond shoulder to shoulder, doing things together. So you've got to do stuff together. Women bond face to face, talking and so forth. So that's why sometimes it feels a little weird for men to do it like that. Mm -hmm. But then do things shoulder to shoulder. Go, go play sports together mm -hmm. or watch a movie together or hang out together. And then eventually the guy will, will talk over time, but it's not always the first meeting. All right. So you said something that I really want to, I want you to touch a little bit on. So you said something, you said, the area that you don't want help in yeah. is probably or most likely the area that you actually need help in. Yeah. There are women in the audience that are married, either dealing with a man in a relationship or dealing with a husband. How do they get through to him? So if a woman is sitting here and she's like, he needs help. Yeah. And you already know, maybe he, she already tried yeah. and he's not listening because oftentimes, we, uh, it's like God asked Adam, hey, why did you do what I asked you not to do? Yeah. Adam said, hey, it's not me. It's Eve. You gave her to me. Yeah, yeah. Eve, why did you do it? Ah, it's a serpent. Yeah. So what we've seen is from the beginning, men have always had an inclination yeah. to push the responsibility. Yeah. I would say, say this. It's hard yeah. for me to hear someone say, my relationship failed because I was a horrible husband. Yeah. They typically say, oh, she had attitude. She yeah. wouldn't cook. She wouldn't do this. It's always the other person. Yeah. So many times, some of these women in here have tried speaking to their husbands yeah. or speaking to their partner, and he doesn't listen. How yeah. would you, what advice would you give the woman to get through to a man that they love, they want him to do better because they yeah. love him, yeah. but he's not listening to them? Um. It, that is a tough one, and obviously you can't just speak. Um, one answer isn't going to help every single person mm -hmm. in this situation. But 
um, pray privately, um, but serve with grace and live with grace publicly. So it's, it's winning some battles sometimes privately in prayer, and then it's um, not berating, not, not talking down to men will rise to the level of, of the encouragement, but they will stoop as low as the, the, the words that are. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? And so if she's speaking down to him, he'll act worse than that. But if she's speaking, in essence, praise, oh, wow, you're good at this and you're good at this. I will say this, ladies, like if the guy does something good, if you praise that, he'll repeat it. Like, oh, you know, you did such a good job cleaning this thing or, or fixing that thing. And he's like, yeah, I did. He bag. will, right? But always getting reminded um, of the things he didn't do. You've got, to find the, you've got to find the way graciously to bring those things up and pray for him. And then, and obviously a sweet spirit. I remember hearing, uh, reading a book uh, many years ago uh, called The Case for Christ and The Case for God. And um, I think it's by, by Lee Strobel. Mm-hmm. And Lee Strobel yeah, actually hated the fact that his wife became a Christian. When, when she became Christian, he was like, man, my, my, my marriage was good and she's become weird and different things. And then she actually became sweeter spirited, more positive, more happy. And he loved the change in her so Amen. much so wow. that I think it was six months later, he started attending that church and then did the, the, the famous books, The Case for Christ and The Case for Faith and so forth because of her beautiful attitude. So that's pretty impressive. So, you know, nagging him to death ain't going to do it. Um, but a sweet spirit is going to be attractive if you're enjoying life, if you're positive. Um, but then there are some issues sometimes that, that are very difficult. And, and often they might need a counselor. Yeah. Before you go a little bit more, I want to put this out there. In, in when you talked about the um, life and death is in the part of the tongue. Uh, for the women, the scripture tells us it is better for a man to live in the roof yeah. than to live with a nagging woman. So yeah. nagging is unproductive. We can agree on that. Yeah. It, you might have your complaints, find ways, like he said, graciously, yeah. with love to communicate his you know, shortcomings to him yeah. without belittling him. Yeah, and same with the guy. Both ways, both yeah. ways. There's something that you said that I want you to, I want us to touch a little bit on. Yeah. Men need affirmation. Yeah. I think so many times our culture want to make the man look like this tough cookie. Mm. You know, it's like, man, it's like, man, it's like, I joke with my friends sometimes, like, you tell your friend, yo, I love you. It's like, bro, you okay? Are you, like, are you okay? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but you hear God, like, the way they, if you hear God telling, yeah. giving her friends, her friend a compliment. Yeah. It would almost feel like they're lovers. Yeah. <laughs> but brothers is like, you good? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's like, I want us to, I want, I want to touch a little bit on why men need affirmation. Because we'll go back to the scriptures. The Bible said that when Jesus was about to be baptized, now Christ at this point in his ministry, yeah. have done absolutely yeah. no miracles. Yeah. He hasn't really done anything to yeah. show that he's the Messiah. But the Bible says that while he was about to be baptized, that the, the heavens opened up yeah. and the voice came down and says, yeah. this is my beloved son yeah. in whom I'm well pleased. Yeah. That was affirmation. Yeah. God reaffirming Christ. Yeah. And I think so many times we men, we act like we don't need encouragement. And I want the women to realize that's what you, why I wanted to touch on that. 
if you reaffirm him, if you yeah. give him, and I also think both ways, men need to encourage men, yeah. women need to, and I, and I know I keep saying men, 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 because we are addressing men. I'm not saying women don't need encouragement. Yeah. But I think when it comes to helping bring out the best yeah. in him, oftentimes, and you talked about this in your book, yeah. renaming. You said God renamed everybody that he used. Abraham yeah. became Abraham. Yeah. Sarah became Sarah. Yeah. Jacob became Israel. Um, Peter became Simon. It's like God has touch, touch a little bit on that why that affirmation and you know having that proper identity and how he sees himself matters for men. You know, um, though there was certainly struggles with my own father, um, he at least spoke quite well of my father. Uh, sorry, my my brother and me. And and I remember that. I remember him calling me champion. I remember him calling me MD, managing director. Um, that was one of those things that kind of seared in my own heart. And men who lack that, there is this void of like, man, why didn't I get this affirmation? We live in a sinful world, right? It's a broken world. And so there's lots of things that come against you. You need certain things because words are like pictures. If I, if I, if I say to the, to the man um, sitting in front of me today and I say, man, you can be a champion. Man, you can speak and, and actually inspire people and you can encourage people and you can be successful. And, and man, you can be a man of God. If I say those things, all of a sudden he's got something to live up to instead of something to live down to. Oh, you did this last week. You did this last week. You know, he's just going to repeat the cycle. So, so there's a balance sometimes with that, right? Sometimes you need to see your faults, but many times you need to see who you are in Christ, obviously. I'm a, I'm a son. Man, I'm loved. I'm righteous. I'm all those things. And that's what Jesus did when he comes to Simon. No longer Simon. You shall be Peter, a rock. And, and that affirmation, he, he goes from a reed. He is a very emotional man. You see that. And he becomes the rock of the church later. Again, um, it was, there was something, I believe, in there, there, how they saw themselves. Gideon, no longer Gideon, mighty man of valor. Like there was something, how they pictured themselves that needed to change. And so uh, this happens all throughout, you know, the scripture over and over again. So that's why preachers... Um, we can't just be talking about oh, the, what we're not doing or the church isn't giving or the church isn't serving, the church isn't this. No, I actually, I speak over our church. Man, our church is a generous church. Our, our church is a serving church. Our, our church is a growing church. And I remember our church was, ooh, it was, it was 50, 60 people and there was one Sunday. And I felt like this was many years ago and I felt almost foolish at the time doing it. It was like I had to say it in the atmosphere. I remember saying there'll become a time when our church is over a thousand people. And our church was 50 or 60. We were meeting in a small little Elks Lodge, but you had to speak something over the place. And now I pray over our church all the time. I'm praying, God, give us champions. I declare we are champions. I declare our people are champions. And I feel like there's this rising with them as we declare the word of God. But as we prophesy what we want to see, Right, Ezekiel 37 is that great passage of scripture. Ezekiel comes into a broken environment and he starts to actually say, no, let there be order, let there be life, let there be spirit. And they, and they stand on their feet, a great army. Um, but he spoke it. He didn't just say there's bones everywhere and it's a disaster. God used the man to speak life into that situation. So even when it comes to relationships, Say we're going to have an amazing marriage, man. We're going to go on dates. We're going to uh, we're going to buy a, a home. We're going to fight fair with one another. We're going to put Jesus first. We're going to be in the house of God. We're going to have kids. Like say those things over your marriage. Um, 
And I think of the scripture that many years ago, for some reason, just got seared in my heart. Psalm 128, verse 1 to 4 says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Says, You shall eat the labor of your hands. You shall be happy, shall be well with you. Says, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the heart of your home. And so it says all of these things. And it was the Hebrew blessing that they would bless over a married couple when they get married. And the, 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 the minister would sing it over them. And that was the picture of their marriage. And so for many, many years, I prayed that, I said that, even after a disagreement with my wife, I'd often pray that thing and I'd speak it out. Man, blessed is our marriage and she shall be fruitful. My kids shall be blessed. And, and I reckon about 10 years into our marriage, I remember there was a time where I was saying it and praying it and I was like, wow, we are this. So it's so important that you speak the best into people and sometimes, obviously, you've got to call out some things that shouldn't be there anymore. Like, hey, let's keep growing. Let's, let's, you're better than this. You know, I heard a good men, a mentor of mine say, give people a good reputation to live up to. Nice. Nice. How do you deal with discouragement? So, uh -huh. so like you talked about, I think sometimes the, one of the tough part about working with God is he often calls you to what is not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you speaking it and you speaking it and you speaking it, and the reality is not catching up. Yeah. You know, obviously now we are learning the importance of just keep prophesying it, but what are the practical steps you take to yeah. create that reconciliation between my reality and what I would love to become my reality? Yeah. Yeah. Faith, um, faith sees ahead, right? Hope sees ahead. But there can often be a very large disconnect between faith and hope and what is the reality. So um, God often, when you're young, gives you a dream and a vision of what should be. But then he, you've got to go to work on that thing. Noah gets, here's the boat, but now he works for almost 100 years to go get the boat and to make the boat. Um, discouragement for me, you know, prayer is the place of vision, but prayer is the place of sustained vision. You get vision and you sustain vision in prayer. You can't underestimate the power of praise and worship. You can't underestimate the power of gathering together with the people of God where God refreshes you, God strengthens you. And I think in, in a real practical way, like you can't underestimate the, the power of get up and just go again, but like make your day a great day and say, this day I'm going to make great. Um, don't allow yourself to stay down too long. You'll get down, no question about it, but don't stay down too long. Get up the next morning, go do something positive, go work out, go for a walk, go sing, go pray again and get clear again about what you're meant to do and keep moving that thing forward and eventually you're going to see progress. If all you're doing is praying and, and prophesying over it, but you're not doing anything, mm -hmm. faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. So you need both. We've got to be people of the presence of God and the principles of God. Yeah. Those, those are critical. I've learned when it comes to discouragement to treat those seasons like, they say treat it like a hotel, not a place of permanent residence. Ooh, I like that. So you check in and you check out. Like, yeah. it's okay It's okay to have a human moment. Yeah. So for me, if I'm having a rough day, it's like, okay, yeah. I'll give myself one hour right. to just <laughs> be in this mess yeah, yeah, and yeah. enjoy this right. pity party that I'm about to throw for myself. Yeah, that's right. Um, whether it's, because we are humans, things are going to happen. Yeah. But like I said, don't make this place of discouragement. Yeah a place of permanent residence. Check yeah. in and check out and yeah. keep on moving. Yeah. You know, like 
something just um, impressed in my spirit. You talked a little bit about this, and I think someone in the room needs to hear this. What is the importance of praying over your woman? Um, I had this moment a number of years ago where, um, you know, we'd gone through a pretty harder time in leadership. Um, there was just some difficult things that happened. And I remember I was praying one day and I felt the Lord all of a sudden show me that my wife really needed prayer. It was a moment. Like I thought she was fine. She's always been an amazing person and very faithful and, and just hardworking and all that kind of stuff. But I was praying one day and I felt the Lord show me a glimpse of how much she needed prayer. And so, man, that caused me to just go to prayer for her, to actually text a few friends. Hey, uh, my mother even is a mighty woman of faith. And can you be praying for my wife during this season? Like, I think it's one of the, the great things you can do. First Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The priesthood of God and the priesthood of the man is to pray over, praise over, thank over your house, and it changes the atmosphere of your home. You are to speak blessings over your house. That changes the atmosphere of your home. Awesome. Awesome. Question. What are some of the ways a man should lead his house? What are some of the... You talked about us yeah. being a little more practical. How can we have more men win in, those, in these four areas? Relationship, yeah. finances, spiritual life, and um, physically. Yeah. What are some of the practical steps that you have for the men in the room, men that are listening, yeah. or any men out there, what are some of the, all right, they hear this conversation, they're like, yeah. you know what, I wanna be better, I yeah. wanna make my money, I wanna be more, um, I, want, I wanna love my wife yeah. or my future woman the way God has designed for her to be loved, yeah. I wanna be in the best shape of my life, what are some of the practical things that yeah. they can start doing right now? You know, becoming a new person is great, yeah. but it starts now. So what are some yeah. of the practical steps they can take? Yeah, in Christ, we are born again of a new spirit, but then we've still got the, the soul and we've got the body mm -hmm. and we need to work all of them, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Um, like tomorrow morning, like get up earlier. It really is like, that's where the magic is. I call it the transform morning. So if, if you take Genesis chapter one, you see what the father did. He has a vision for what's gonna be and he sees it, he speaks it, and then he reflects on it. Sees it, speaks it, reflects on it. Sees it, speaks it, reflects on it. And for seven days, you see this process. And day six, he looks back and says it was good. Day seven, he rests. So vision, action, reflection. So get vision about your week. Act on your week. Reflect on your week. Improve. Get vision about your day. Get, get very clear on what you want to do. Act on the day, then reflect on the day. This isn't God's going to do it all for me. No, you're going to get up. You're going you're gonna to own what, what is the most important thing you do today. It is literally, you don't, you change your life one day at a time. Yeah. We underestimate how small tweaks do truly take you to giant peaks. Mm -hmm. Like you love John Maxwell. John Maxwell says this, the hardest person to lead is yourself. Mm -hmm. So if we can lead, if I can lead me well, and for me that means getting up earlier, it means I, I do water, I do this salt thing, I do some lemon in my water, um, I have coffee, I'll either read the word or I work out, I do those things, I get clear on what my day looks like and then occasionally sometimes I'm like I'll intentionally sleep in but I get very uh, specific about what the biggest things of the day are and I, and I think people underestimate, oh that's gonna, not going to change my life, I need a big breakthrough. No you don't, you actually need to just change today. 
This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Like I'm going to bring a positive spirit to today, but I'm going to work hard today. Um, so tomorrow I'm going to change something. And Monday I'm going to change something. So um, a lot of people want God to bless them and you're like, but you're showing up late to work. <laughs> right? Or Lord, I want you to bless me, but you're not managing what you have. So just start to go to work on you. The diligent hand shall be blessed, right? The diligent hand shall be a leader. The lazy man shall have nothing. Uh, I was talking to someone recently, a good friend of mine, and I could, we had a conversation and he was like, you know, I want to work like three hours a month. <laughs> and I was like, what world are you in? <laughs> like, there's nothing godly about that, but there's nothing manly about that. God gave Adam a job. Um, one of the best things we can do is find our purpose and then work our purpose. So just keep on making little, little tiny improvements. And you may, like in a month and two months and three months, be like a little discouraged. Keep working it and keep moving forward. It really is my, like, how do you build a church? One day at a time. How do you build a church? One Sunday at a time. How do you build a business? One day at a time. How do you improve your life? One day at a time. So making, even John Maxwell wrote a book called Today Matters. Yeah. Right, where he talked about many times people are so focused on their goals. Yeah. But he says your vision or your goal might get you started. Yeah. But the discipline is what keeps you going. Yeah. Right? So people often are always thinking about becoming yeah. a new person. Like I said, become that now person. Understand, yeah. I read a book called The Art of Invention. Mm. And it says that tomorrow is now that hasn't happened. Yeah. So what are you doing with the now that you have? Yeah. Because you are waiting, you are procrastinating what you should do now to tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow yeah. will just be another now. Yeah. So just get started now. Yeah. Question. Someone said, suggest... Um, suggestion where to seek first for wisdom. So you, you talked about um, we come to God, wisdom is in his hands, yeah. and those wisdom unlocks success in those four key areas of our lives. Yeah. Where should someone go first for that wisdom? I'd go to the book of Proverbs, to be honest. Um, if, you know, you've read a fair bit of personal development books, mm -hmm. that's the personal development book of the Bible. That was King Solomon's book. And he showed people, Proverbs 1 verse 3 says their purpose, speaking of the whole book of Proverbs, their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives and to understand what is right and just and fair. Like, so I would go to the book of Proverbs and start applying um, the principles to your life. That's where I'd go. And Genesis 1 is one of the great foundations of seeing how God did one week. Again, if you want to change your life, change a day, but then change one week. And you see how God did one week. Well, start doing your week like that. And uh, don't overwork. Don't work every single day. Take a rest day. You need a day off just for your own sanity. Um, but then you can't work generally three days a week and four days a week and expect to be as, as successful. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so I'd, I'd point you to Genesis 1 and I'd point you to Proverbs. That's been the blessing of my life now. Awesome, awesome. Um, another question. Well, is, this is more from me, right? I've noticed that, like I'm sure you've noticed, anybody, that, anybody that's a Christian probably knows this. You go to most churches, yeah. more women yeah. than men. Yeah. Why, why, what is it about men and church that, that, that they don't show up? What, what have you noticed? And how can we get more men to, to come to church? Don't preach to build the church. 
preach to build the man and the woman. Don't, don't preach to build a great church. Build great people in the church. Mm-hmm. And if you want them to succeed, them to flourish. Like I remember many years ago, I was at a conference and God had given me a big vision for our church. And I was watching a mentor encourage, speak life into his people. And it was like the Lord shifted something in my heart. And I went, oh, wow. It's one thing to love the vision. It's another thing to love the people. Mm-hmm. And so when, 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 when men know the pastor or the leaders and the other men in the church, love them, want them to succeed, want them to move forward, want them to grow in their faith, they'll feel it. And so I can't encourage pastors enough to like build the people who are there, value them, love on them while keeping the vision out in front because one day um, you're going to need leaders to 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 make the vision happen. But if the leaders aren't big, if they're not growing, if they're not flourishing, they can't hold it. Okay. All right, we're going to wrap up. A um, couple of questions before we close out. Um, what would what would you advise the husband in the room on how he could be a better husband? <laughs> listen. Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> listen. Humility listens. And you'll normally know, like your wife will say some stuff over time to let you know like what her love language is. Pay attention. Yeah. Listen. What I've learned, which I think it's something that the husbands in the room, which you touched on this earlier on, where sometimes if the woman is complaining about something, yeah. no, no matter how you feel about her complaints, yeah. it's her complaint. Yeah. And if she's complaining, right. she has something to complain about. Yeah. There's some validity to it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I've, I've heard men say, I don't know why she's not happy. I'm like, maybe you should ask her. <laughs> <laughs> right? Where it's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so when you say, listen, I think, it, like you talked about earlier on, that humility that a man brings to say, all right, I'm not perfect. Yeah. Right. And because sometimes, like, I think men are naturally driven by achievement. Yeah. That when a woman complains, like, oh, you think I'm not good enough? Right. Where the complaint is not that you're not good enough. The yeah. complaint is, I want us to be better. Yeah. And I think listening, like you, like you said, is something that will help a lot of men. Yeah. Like, just listen to your and, woman. And there's so many podcasts or books out there. Um, where you can lean in and glean from someone else's wisdom. Like mm-hmm. there is no excuse in our culture in 2022 Trust for you to not get an audible book or read it or listen to it or whatever. There's, there's no excuse. So you can become better. I can become better. I've been, I've been doing a relationship series, mm-hmm. my wife and I, for 17 years. Wow. 17 years. And so I've had to read a ton of books just so I can do the relationship series mm-hmm. plus do it better. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I keep learning, keep growing, and I've still got, you know, room to grow. And so just believe that you've got room to grow. I'm 45, yep. 45 years old. I've been married 18 and a half years. Um, I've done a relationship series. And I had to start reading some books because I was only married like a year and then we were leading the church and we're like, we're going to do a relationship series. I'm like, well, what do I know? I've only been married a year. So I had to go and read some books. Ed Young, Creative Marriage, uh, His Needs, Her Needs, um, all kinds of different books out there. Um, the Seven Pillars of Marriage. And there's lots of different books that you can r- read and lean into um, and you do yourself a favor. All right. So to close out, what I've learned is, and one of the, one of the motivations for us 
doing this podcast and pushing yeah. relationship essentials is I believe that sometimes when the enemy attacks us, yeah. what we think he's after is not what he's after. Mm. He's after something even more sacred yeah. to us. And many times when we see the when we see our society, we want to fix. If you if you love God in any kind of way, you're like you want to you want the community to be healed. Yeah, yeah. But the way the community get healed is if the family yeah. get healed. Yeah. And what I've noticed is the family gets healed yeah. when the foundation right. is right. Yeah. Right. So tip so we can easily fix our society yeah. by just fixing yeah. the family. So give us your last take on, on how men, on just your last advice on why men need to be committed in the work because the enemy yeah. attacks the family yeah. most times by attacking the man yeah. because the man has been called to be the primary responsibility of leadership in the home yeah. has been given to the man. So the enemy comes after the man because if he's not present, it's like a kingdom that has no king. Yeah. The word father in the Hebrew means strength of the house. Wow. If you break down the word father in the Hebrew, it means strength of the house. So when you take out the strength of the house, what do you have? You have weaker homes. Um, now, sometimes, often, and very honorably, women step in and step up to that, those and their great mothers and so forth. But in, in, um, in every nation of the world, the primary indicator of poverty is fatherlessness. Wow. Um, I heard a statistic recently that um, girls are... 700% more likely to get pregnant um, if there is no father in the home. Before marriage. Yeah, um, as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Five, uh, 500% more likely kids will have suicide with no dad in the home. And 85% of those who are in prison today had fatherless homes. And so fatherhood is the, is, is, is the cry of the culture. God set up that it should be a father, should be a mother, and that blesses the children. Um, man, just get yourself humble and healthy, right? Keep growing, keep learning, keep pushing forward. You can do better than even you think you're doing. Keep improving your life little bit by little bit. Pray, ask God, seek wisdom. Get around other men who are growing and just decide, man, I'm going to be the 2.0 version of me six months from now, one year from now, you know, two years from now, it does take time, it takes diligence, it takes vision, but it's worth it. Like you getting vision about your life, who you're going to be, who you're going to become, it's worth it because it affects so many different people. So get vision about your life and then uh, uh, say, Jesus, help me become what you need me to become. And But don't just blame it all on Jesus if it doesn't happen. Like apply God's principles to your life through the book of Proverbs, through the through discipline and hanging out with the right people. And, and it'll bless your generation. It really will. If David never slayed his Goliath, yeah. the word of God will not be the same. The Bible as we know it. Yeah. We have a responsibility to That's win right. our own battles. Yeah. And like he said, be humble. Be healthy. Yeah. Because there are generations that will either suffer yeah. or be better off yeah. because of your decision to be healthy and humble. Yeah. Many times we are so self-centered. Yeah. We think about ourselves. All you think is your ego. All you think about is being right. Yeah. Think about the people that are suffering because of the decisions that you are making. Yeah. And when you begin to think about them, then begin to seek help. Yeah. Go out, be in a community of people that will challenge you to be better. Don't go for the people that will just tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Be around people that will challenge you to 
to be a better husband, to be a better partner, to be a better provider. Don't be around people that, you know, like they said, relationships are like elevators. They either take you up or they bring you down. So be in a relationship with people that are going places. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Thank you guys for coming out. This is the first in the studio. And I really pray that we, we don't just, one of the things that you, you talked about in your book, and I've, I've said this a lot, is information without application is just entertainment. Yeah. But when we take information and we apply it, it now leads to transformation. Yeah. So if we want to live transformed lives, then let's apply it. As a matter of fact, if we take words, information that we get, comprehend it and apply it, it becomes wisdom. So let us go out there and be wise people. Let us stop being a foolish generation. Some things that bring us pleasure now will bring our generation's pain down the road. So let us think about our generations when we make certain decisions that we make today. Please subscribe to the channel, Relationship Essentials. Follow us on Instagram, Relationship Essentials. If you want to donate, as you know, this event is free. We are taking it from city to city. It's, um, um, I believe it's dollar sign, cash up. Um, dollar sign um, R-E-J-O-M and one, one other way to support is to buy the merch buy a t-shirt buy a hat buy a jersey buy a hoodie whatever it is to help us push this message of doing relationship God's way forward and with that being said thank you God bless you and we'll see you guys next time and don't forget to pick up the book Transform Your Transformation Stars When? Today, now. All right, God bless you.